we just completed a series how when we're born, God the Father places within us gifts, enhancements, abilities. Uh, these are things that energize us or motivate us in life. You know, some people like spinach, others don't. Some people want to be a rancher, some uh, want to be farmers. I know four brothers uh, up around Glasgow area. Two of them love farming and hate, hate cattle. But the younger two, the younger two love cattle and hate farming. And these are these things that are inherent in us are, are gifts or enhancements. They're, they're things to which we inherently respond in life. And they were listed in Romans chapter 12. Uh, they were prophecy, ministry, teaching, exhorting, gives, leads, and, and ministry. And, and then when we become a Christian, and if you're not a child of God or you're not serving God, understand you're not getting the fullness out of your gift. Uh, the world may try to convince you you are, but you're not. And then in 1 Corinthians 12, when you become part of a local fellowship, these gifts will manifest themselves in that fellowship. Um, uh, the Lord will, the Father God places in the local fellowship these gifts as, as they're needed in the local fellowship. And then in Ephesians chapter 4. Now remember these first two are from the Father God. Now in Ephesians chapter 4. In verses 1 through 6, the Apostle Paul is talking about the body of Christ. And in verses 4 through 6, seven times the Apostle Paul uses the word one. That's interesting. He's trying to get the body of Christ to understand that they need to be unified. One body, one spirit, that's the spirit of the Lord. One hope, one Lord, one faith. Notice it doesn't say one doctrine, it says one faith. And then one baptism, one God. And the devil knows, and, and for all the good that denominations do, I think oftentimes the devil uses them to split the church. You know, there are essentials in our Christian walk. There's essentials that uh, there's three in heaven, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's the fact that man has sinned and he needs a savior and that the only savior is Jesus Christ. That's an essential. And it's by faith that you receive uh, forgiveness for your sins and you become a child of God. That's an essential. But these other things, some of the other things that denominations argue about, they really don't matter. I mean, let's take the catching away of the church. Now, the word rapture is not found in the Bible. Rapture means extreme joy or uh, uh, extreme ecstasy, catching away. And when the Lord comes and takes us off of this earth, I don't know about you, but I'm going to be extremely happy about that one. Okay? But there are some people who believe that the rapture is going to happen before the trip. Others believe it's going to happen midway through the tribulation. Others feel it's going to happen after the tribulation. But that has nothing to do with salvation. It doesn't matter. And yet I've seen people get so divided over that. So anyway, let's, you know, where we can, let's be unified. One faith. 
And then in verses 7 through 10, Paul explains the authority of Christ. And that was real important in them days. As a matter of fact, it's real important today. He explains the authority of Christ. He was writing to the people in Ephesus. And in those days, like today really, they had a lot of people, um, rebels, loners, who would come up with, um, you know, they're going to overthrow the government or all of these things. And um, so Paul, in verses 7 through 10, explains the anointing of Christ, or the authority of Christ. Now Christ, uh, actually in the Greek, means the Messiah or the anointed one. And see, Christ is an epithet of Jesus. See, when Jesus was on the earth, he was all God and he was all man. He was the man, Jesus. But when he died and rose from the dead, he became Jesus Christ, the anointed one. God had anointed him and given him a name that's above all names and put him at the right hand of God the Father. And so then uh, he's talking uh, about the authority of Jesus Christ. And in verse 8 of, of um, Ephesians 4, boy, my brain here this morning. He talks, he's quoting Psalm 68, uh, 19, and where it says that he, Jesus uh, Christ ascended on high, he led captivity captive, he gave uh, gifts to men. Uh, he is talking about, uh, this is where Jesus, when he died, he went and he set free those who were in Abraham's bosom or paradise that were held captive by the law. And he set them free. And if, if you want to know about that, you come and ask me and I'll explain it to you. And then at the end of verse 7 he said, And gave gifts to man. Christ gave gifts to man. That's important. And then in verse 11, Paul lifts, lists these gifts. The apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. And you see, it's the Father that energizes us. He puts in us the gift that motivates us. And then he places us in a body where he wants us to be. And when we become active in that body, then in line with his will, and in conjunction with the gifts that he gave us, Jesus comes along, Christ, and he gives ministry gifts to the body to help us understand who we are and what we can become in Christ. See, uh, as a matter of fact, in um, he lists the verse, and he lists, boy, I need to trade tongues this morning or something. Ugh. This thing is not, whole, it must have been that pie I ate. In verse 11, he lists the gifts. Say that three times real fast. And in verse 12 through 16, he tells the purpose of those gifts. And I want to read it from the New Living Translation. The responsibility of these gifts, ministry gifts, is to equip, I'm reading in verse 12, to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we come into such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord 
measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ, then we will be no longer, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly, and each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Notice this. Each, the body needs each part, just like my body does. My body needs this arm. My body needs this ear. My body needs this leg. Well, the body of Christ needs the parts that we learned about in 1 Corinthians 12, 28. And when those parts are missing, when people come in and, and, and do not want to become active or serve, and understand that the body hurts, is hurting. And so then in verse 11, the Apostle Paul lists them. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. And most theologians uh, agree that they're listed in order as the way they took place in the church. If you will notice after the day of Pentecost, you had the apostles and they set up the church in Jerusalem. And then if you look at uh, Acts chapter 8, they had the a prophet and the evangelist, they went out and they established churches and once churches were established, you had the pastors and, and, and the teachers. And the people, these gifts, these fivefold ministry, they're called fivefold ministry gifts or ministry gifts, are people that Christ has anointed and, and to help the body of Christ. And these are offices in the church and they are not made to place one person above another. That's not what they're there for. But they're there and they're not there for any competition in the body of Christ. That's not what they're there for. But as we submit to God the Father, as we uh, submit to Jesus Christ, the head of the church, and to the leadership of, these holy, of the Holy Spirit, these gifts help us to become what Christ, what God created us to be in Christ and in the body of Christ. This helps us to get, understand who we can be and what we can be in Christ. Um, well, I want to take a quick look this morning at the five gifts. I want you to understand what they are and, and, and what they're for this morning. First of all, you have the apostle. The apostle in the Greek means a sent one or a messenger. And they normally would go and plant churches. And then an apostle, if you look at Acts 2.42, I believe it is, it says, and they continue daily in the Apostles' Creed. The apostle in the church is the one who keeps the church in line with the Word of God. If the church begins to deviate in what it's doing, the apostle brings them back in line. I'm not talking about cracking a whip or anything like that, but just that's what the apostle is for, to make sure that they stay true to the Word of God. And then you have the prophet. Now this is the actual pro uh, office of a prophet. 
And remember, prophecy is not is not about being weird and, and forecasting the future, so to speak. Prophecy for first Corinthians Did you did you strike me with a with a flabbering tongue or something this morning? I'm having trouble. Um, now I forgot. First Corinthians fourteen three. Boy, this is wow. Um, prophecy is for edification, exhortation, and comfort. And I gave you an example of that. Maybe, maybe uh, the Lord might have someone in the church uh, go to Joel and say, Joel, uh, you know, the Lord has shared with me, and this is just an example. Joel, the Lord has shared with me that you're facing a tough decision. But the Lord has said that, Joel, if you'll seek my face, He'll tell you exactly, when in the midst of you seeking his face, he'll tell you exactly what to do, Joel. And you know what, Joel? You'll be blessed by what you do. Now, did I prophesy over him? Yeah. I said, Joel, God knows you're facing a trial. But God has said, Joel, if you don't follow the natural instincts, but if you listen to me, I'll bless your decision. Would that edify you? Would that exhort you and go home and say, yeah, man, this is great. See what I'm saying? That's, that's what prophecy is about. It, it's made to, to help in the church. And then you have the evangelists. Now the word evangelist in the Greek means messenger of good or preacher of the gospel. That's what an evangelist is. The evangelist is the preacher who motivates you to put into action what you learned from the teacher. That's, you know, there are times when I teach. I simply just teach. But there are times when I will preach. And an evangelist will motivate you. That doesn't mean I'm an evangelist. But the evangelist will motivate you to put into action what you learned from the teacher. And then you have pastor, teacher. Now most theologians believe that the pastor is the title or the office and that the teacher is the function. As a matter of fact, that's most theologians believe that. Matter of fact, in the Greek, in the Greek, they're hyphenated pastor, teacher. See, you can be a teacher without being a pastor, but you can't be a pastor without being a teacher. And so you have the pastor and in the Greek, the word pastor means a shepherd, figuratively or literally, and it means one who tends herd. Now this is from the Greek. One who tends herds or flocks, not merely one who feeds them. Now isn't that interesting? One who tends herds or flocks, not merely one who feeds them. Jesus talked about the hirelings. I believe it was in John. He talked about the hirelings. And that when things got tough, the hirelings would take off and leave. And then you have the teacher. The word teacher in the Greek is really, really interesting. It means teacher. <laughs> instructor is what it means. It means instructor. And you know, I think it's pretty interesting. You have apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. I think it's pretty interesting 
this is something that's amazed me for 50 years. First of all, like the psalmist said, God hasn't dealt with us according to our sin. In other words, instead of wiping us out and just saying, man, look at this, I'm going to start all over again. You know what he did? He provided a way through the gift of his son. And you know that's something else. In the natural, that makes no sense to me at all. Of course, there's a lot of things that don't make sense to me. But I mean, here's the way we're going to deal with injustice. I'm going to give my son. To the natural man, that doesn't make sense. See, God couldn't turn his back on sin. He couldn't do that. That would be like a judge having a murderer come to him. And he just says, ah, you're dismissed. And I know that we're seeing some of that in our country today, but God couldn't do that. He had to deal with sin. But see, God is love. And love found a way to deal with the penalty of sin and yet not wipe us out. And that was to give us his son to pay for our sins. I, you know, after 50 years, I don't understand that. But it's worked. There are millions that have taken advantage of it. And so I think it's interesting that instead of wiping us out, he provided a way for us to get total forgiveness for our sins. And in the process to take us out of the kingdom of darkness, that's what we were living in before we became Christians, and to trans bring us over, the, the Greek says, translate us into the kingdom of his dear son. And, and we became children of God. And nothing we did other than believe. And then not only that, but he didn't leave us here on our own. He didn't say, well, Marge, you know, you, you've accepted my son. Congratulations. I hope you make it and do well. See you later. And if you make it up there, I'll see you up there. You know, Chris, I'll see you. I hope you and Mandy make it okay. You know, But you're on your own. Don't call on. He didn't do that. He didn't do that. He gave us his word. He gave us his Holy Spirit to live inside of us. The Apostle Paul in the book of Galatians, and I use this in the Bible study, had a unique way of um, describing what takes place. He talks about how we become adopted. We as Gentiles become adopted into the family. And if you don't know the history of that time period, you won't understand that. But what would transpire in, in particularly uh, Gentile families, the, the son, the women had no rights, but the son before he became of age was put under a tutor. He didn't eat with the family. He ate in a separate room, normally in the kitchen. The tutor, uh, normally if the family was wealthy enough, had money, uh, he would buy him his clothes, but his clothes never, never had any markings to show what family he came from. Never did. The tutor would take him to school, bring him home or teach him at home. Family had very little to do with him. And then the Gentiles had what they called the toga virilis. The cloak toga virilis meaning manhood. And what they would do at this is 
at the age of around 13. Chris, can I borrow you for a minute? No, I can't. Can I borrow you for just a minute? <laughs> they would call the son forward. Don't worry, I won't embarrass him. Um, they would call the son forward. He would be about 13. And the father would take a cloak and the cloak would have the colors of the family on it, maybe even a crest. And he would put it around the sun. And then he would take off of his finger a ring with the family insignia on it, and he would put it on his finger. And from that moment on, that son would sit at the table with the father, and he could participate in the family. He was then, thank you, it was called an adoption of sons. And he was adopted into the family. I believe the Jews call it a bar mitzvah, is what they call it. And when you received Christ literally as your savior, when you made that profession of faith, thank you, Chris. God didn't take off a robe and put it around you. Instead, he covered you by the blood of the lamb. Instead of an inanimate object of a ring, he put his Holy Spirit to come and just live inside of you. And I think it's interesting that he didn't just leave us on his own, but he did that. And then, like the psalmist said, not only that, and he didn't say, well, you're on your own now. As the psalmist said in Psalm 23, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. He's like a dad and a good parent or a good grandparent. He just wants to bless us. And then he gives us the opportunity to share his goodness and his blessings with others. So they can come out from underneath the destructive yoke of Satan and the consequences of sin as we become part of the body of Christ and began to take our place and grow. These gifts in Ephesians 4, 11, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, these are not traveling ministry gifts that come to the church once or twice a year. They might, but these are gifts that are supposed to be resident in the church. These are people, they might be farmers, ranchers, they might be teachers, they might be business people, they might be housewives. They, they are people that, that simply God has anointed because they're submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ and the leadership of the Holy Spirits. That's what they are. They're supposed to be part of the church. And it's something when a church has in it these ministries. It's something when the people, uh, when from 1 Corinthians 12, 28, when you have these different gifts and then when you have the five-fold ministry gift is something. You know, we're in the, um, we're in, we've just closed with Thanksgiving. And then we're coming into the Christmas season. And this is a time of giving. And oftentimes when we're given gifts, we, we will take that gift and we will look at it and we will use it. And we will use it and we will use it and we will use it. And we get a lot out of it. 
Um, I have a um, electric knife thing that's got to be 45 years old, but it still works. I mean, you know. But then there are times when we take the gift and we place it in an inconspicuous spot, meaning to come back to it later. But we forget it's there and we never use the gift. And sometimes we may walk by, oh yeah, I got I to come back, I gotta, but we never use it. There are other times when we place the gift in a place of prominence and we look at it and admire it. We say, yeah, boy, that's great. I'm glad I got that. But we never, we never make use of it. And then there are those gifts that we get that we can't wait to give away as a white elephant, you know. Gee, I, I, you know, and I hope nobody knows I got this gift. I hope that's the one that didn't give it to me. You know, that's how it, We only get out of our gifts how we make use of them. And let me share this with you, church. I don't know what God has for each individual here. I don't, I don't know that. God hasn't specifically pointed someone out. But I know this that I know that God didn't place this facility here in this place haphazardly or, or just for the convenience of people, but there's a purpose and a plan. And as you grow in your relationship with God, as you began to say to the Lord, Father, where do you want me in the body of Christ? You talk about be fulfilling in here. It'll, you'll, you'll find peace and fulfillment like you've never had. And it won't just affect the body here. It'll affect your work. It'll affect your relationships. If you're married, if you're single and going with someone, it'll affect that positively. It'll affect your finances positively. And then maybe somewhere down the line, you might even wind up being called into one of these gifts or how these gifts come to be, that's what help us grow. You know, I have, although I serve ministers throughout the state, I have people that I submit to, that I call. Hey, how you doing? Hey, what, you, what about this? Listen, God loves you so much. And as we're giving thanks this, this season, let's be thankful for the gift that God has placed within you and then within this church. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we've just touched the surface, but you love us so much. You didn't wipe us out. And you gave us an opportunity to, to be translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of your dear son. And then, Lord, you've placed us in a body where we can grow and where you've got a purpose for us in this body. And Lord, you've given us ministry gifts, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Lord, let us not put it on the shelf, but Lord, let us use it. Use it for your honor and glory. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.